1: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
2: No New Year truce in the hostilities between the United States and the People's Republic of China. You would have thought they might have given it a break for a couple of days. After all, the Year of the Rabbit, which has just dawned, is a particularly auspicious year for China. The year of the rabbit usually comes with great success. But Joe Biden clearly isn't looking down that particular rabbit hole. He is still mounting provocation after provocation, trying to provoke China into action on Taiwan so that they can impose full economic sanctions on China like they have on something like 55 countries in the world. More than half the people in the world are currently living under United States sanctions. I don't know how they keep track. Joe Biden couldn't keep track of a grocery list, but his country is sanctioning more than half the world, and they are itching to do so against China. Thus, all kinds of flotillas and plans for flotillas in the South China Sea, in the Taiwan Straits, everywhere you can imagine. Biden is trying to dragoon former enemies, like Japan, for example, where the Japanese and American leadership this very week condemned the use of nuclear weapons in the country where the only ever use of nuclear weapons took place. I can't remember who it was that dropped them, who it was that suffered them. I've got a funny feeling it was the United States that dropped them, and a funny feeling it was on Japan. But there they were, warning China about nuclear weapons. China completely ringed by American nuclear armed bases. China would be, I think, well-advised. To seek, I don't know, some kind of defense agreement with Mexico. Maybe they could build some nuclear bases in Mexico. See how the United States likes it. They could steam their nuclear-armed submarines off the coast of San Francisco. After all, Chinese people played a very important role in building it. Mexican people used to own it. But these are the vagaries of american politics and history none of these things are ever remembered the cuban missile crisis maybe never happened at least in the mind of u.s policy makers speaking of the u.s and horrific atrocity as far as i know still unresolved with the gunman still at large ten people in monterey california which conjures up images for me of of love and peace, man, and tuning in and dropping out. But 10 people lost their lives to machine gun fire. A man festooned in bandoliers of machine gun bullets was gunning down innocent people there in the land of the free, the home of the brave. And this country seeks to tell other countries how they should live, how they should organize themselves. Atlanta is in flames again, this time at the hands of so-called anti-fascists who would have been better employed, putting their obviously considerable energies into trying to stop a war in which the United States is on the side of the fascists and digging out this week another two billion dollars to give to Zelensky and his wife who made a rather expensive trip to Davos. Much more about Davos later with the incomparable James Melville. But as an aside, what happens in Davos that Klaus Schwab, George Soros, and Bill Gates all decided to vacate it? Well, maybe James will have an idea about what's going on. But what we saw was going on was bad enough. It was a parade of second, third, fourth, and fifth raters demanding more and more weapons, more and more war being poured into them all. They are quite literally now, openly declaring their readiness to fight to the last Ukrainian, to the last drop of blood of the last Ukrainian. And even then, they say that Russia will not be allowed to prevail in Ukraine, which If you think about it, it's a declaration of war which would have to quickly become a nuclear war from one side or the other because if Ukraine loses on the battlefield as it is presently doing very big time indeed, more than at any stage of the war, fully one third of Ukraine is now Russian territory and they are still declaring that Russia will not be allowed to prevail which, if you think, as I say, must be a declaration that, if necessary, they intend to enter the war. So, in Germany, in France, in Britain, and in the United States, and Canada, you need to ask yourselves, are you ready for your son and daughter to die for Kopiansk? You need to ask yourselves if you are ready to face the prospect of all-out European intermediate nuclear war, or even if it escalates into intercontinental ballistic war, which means the destruction of every city, every sizable town in the entire world with the blast followed by the radiation, and then comes the nuclear winter. There'll not even be any rabbits, even cockroaches alive over that. So when you're second, third, fourth, and fifth rate leaders in Davos are making these kind of statements, know that they have consequences. Because, frankly, Russia, I think, has already concluded that NATO is now a party to the war. No more just offering moral, financial, even uh, military aid support to Ukraine. But nobody with any seriousness believes that all this Western material that is arriving at the grossly depleted Ukrainian army barracks is actually going to be operated by Ukrainians. It can only be planned that this material is manned by NATO personnel. And if it is, well, we are at war with Russia. We who live in the NATO countries are in a state of war with Russia. And so far, it's a one-sided war. We are making war on Russia, but Russia is not as yet making war on us. But that must change. It's bound to change. This material will, I think, in the very near future, very near future, start to be attacked as it crosses the border. might even be attacked before it crosses the border why would russia wait for all this nato personnel and material to arrive on the battlefield that would be militarily speaking extremely stupid so i don't disguise my view it's not i'm sure russia's view it's not anybody else's view but it is mine that nato is cruising for a bruising that nato needs a bloody good hiding And I think it may very well be about to get one. Now, Boris Johnson, as I said, is in Ukraine, in Bukha of all places, the site of one of the most notorious and naked provocations of the war, where bodies that were murdered by Ukrainian fascists were laid out on the ground. I've seen the footage of them being dragged around for the benefit of the cameras as if they had been murdered by the Russians when it is now known, it is known by every Western policymaker that these poor people were murdered by Ukrainian Nazis, the Nazis that we have been funding throughout the war, the Nazis that have just been legitimized on certain social media platforms as no longer Nazis. Apparently their swastikas are now, well, Hindu symbols. Apparently their Sikh-hiling, jackbooting, anti-Semitic pogromist past has been forgotten. They are now jolly good chaps, paka fellows. But they were the ones who carried out the massacre In Bucca, they were the butchers of Bucca. And Boris Johnson is actually there right now. Perhaps he thought there was a very real need to divert attention from the Sunday Times revelations about him this morning, which I believe, maybe I'm the only person who believes it, are existential in their nature. Here, according to the Sunday Times, is what happened. Boris Johnson took a loan of £800,000. Well, he's a guy with a lot of expenses. He has a lot of ex-wives. He has a lot of children with those ex-wives. He's even got children with other people's wives. And he is an expensive guy. So he borrowed 800,000 pounds. It's just that the bank didn't think he was um, good for the money. So they required a guarantor. The guarantor stepped forward. Just two months before, Boris Johnson made him the chairman of the BBC. Now, I'm so old, I remember when countries like Italy were famous for this kind of peola, were famous for this kind of corruption. We used to laugh at them. My father, God rest his soul, was forever talking about how Italy had a new prime minister every few months. Italy had a new finance minister, foreign minister, every few months. Italian government was a revolving door between parliament, government house, and big business. Italian politics, was a country where, I don't know, prime ministers got £800,000 in a loan guaranteed by a guy that they then gave a top blue-chip position in the state too. But that happened in Britain in these revelations in the Sunday Times today. Now, I don't see how the British Broadcasting Corporation can continue to be cheered by a man who got his position corruptly. Who can say otherwise? Nobody knew that he guaranteed an £800,000 loan just two months before he got this position. So I am going to say he got it corruptly. Come and prove it if it is otherwise. Why did you, Mr Chairman? Give Boris what first attracted you to guaranteeing 800,000 pounds for the rapacious Boris Johnson. British politicians traditionally get into trouble over either sex or money. In Boris Johnson's case, it is both, he only needs the money because of his rake's progress through public life over decades in and out of other people's bedrooms, in and out of other people's marriages. That's why he needs the money. That's why he didn't run to become prime minister again, because he can't afford to be the British prime minister. He needs the millions that are to be found on the payola side of the tracks. Mind you, Rishi Sunak is doing such a catastrophically bad job He was fined for the second time this week for not wearing a seatbelt on camera giving an interview. Stupid or arrogant, or both stupid and arrogant. And we are very badly challenged here in Britain because if it's not Rishi Sunak, it'll have to be Boris Johnson again. And if it's not Sunak or Johnson, There'll have to be a general election and then it'll be Starmer, Sir Keir Starmer, who's broken every promise he has ever made to the Labour Party, to the country, and is possessed of the most tyrannical, abusive, authoritarian instincts that I reiterate my view, that a majority Labour government in Britain is an existential threat to the existence of the state. Apart from anything else, Scotland would be off and running. A separate Scotland run by the people who are, frankly, predators, preying on our little children. They have doubled down on their plan to ask children between five and twelve if they are heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, or leaning towards transsexual. That's the government we've got in Scotland. And that policy, that set of policies, as has been lacerated by J.K. Rowling today on social media, is so disturbing that leading nationalist politicians pose in front of signs bearing guillotines threatening to cut the heads off something they call TERFs. Now, I'm too old and too working class to fully grasp what a turf is, what a cis woman is. But younger and cleverer people tell me it is that they want to cut the heads off Those who don't accept that a man can become a woman by simply declaring themselves so can go into a changing room and wave their still extant dick around whilst pretending to be a woman and frightening the horses and terrorising the little girls in the changing room. In Primark, in the swimming pool, in the gymnasium, at the keep fit class, in the Girl Guides, anywhere that girls, women have over a long time actually in Britain fought and won rights to their own private spaces. Call me old-fashioned. It makes me sick. But that's the independent Scotland that we would have. Doesn't it make you wish you were Chinese celebrating the Chinese New Year?
4: Four weeks the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: Now it says here that Margaret Kimberley is a writer and executive editor of Black Agenda Report, but she's very much more than that. As those of you who saw her last time already know, and I'm glad to say she's back on the mother of all talk shows. Uh, Margaret, one of our most popular guests, I'm glad to see you back again people are already lobbying me to make sure that if we get (laughs) moats america up and running you are a big feature of that let me start if i may with what on earth is going on in atlanta can you enlighten us
3: well um thank you so much for having me george the problem in atlanta is that the police uh the city police the state police are building something that is popularly known as cop city, a huge uh, police, they're calling it a training facility. It's something that is not needed. They are destroying an old growth forest in order to do it. Uh, Some of the last forests in uh, that part of the state, people do not want it. People don't wanna destroy the forest. They do not want, this uh, it's it's like a military facility for the police. And there have been many protests about it. A couple of nights ago, a young man, one of the forest protectors, was killed by police. I do not believe the police version of events. They claim that he shot the police. No one believes this. There needs to be an independent investigation. So there are protests about this young man's death. And by the way, before he was shot and killed, uh any protest protesters were arrested and charged with terrorism for trying to stop this project. And it was all civil disobedience, all peaceful, but now this young, this young person is dead, um, who, uh, speaking of what you were saying before, using the pronoun they, so uh, uh, this young person is dead. And there's a lot of anger about it, a lot of anger about Cop City, about a lot of anger about these terrorism charges, anger now about this person's death. So that's what's happening uh, in Atlanta.
2: What about Monterey in California? Can you enlighten us anything on that?
3: I, I can't enlighten you except to say that this is a country full of unhinged people who also have access to firearms. Uh, there's nothing new to say here. It's the same old story. Um, I can't explain it except to say this country. This, country has a history as a settler colonial state where people survive basically by subduing other people. That's something that has not been dealt with. Um, And there are millions of Americans who do not want any gun regulation. They do not. So that makes it a difficult political uh, issue to deal with on a national level because the country is uh, uh, divided about it. But the people who don't want regulations keep winning, and those of us who do keep losing, and we watch time and time again as an unhinged person who has a gun that I don't believe any common citizen has any reason to own with large magazines that can fire many bullets very quickly um, people can get their hands on these and even in places here like in New York where I am where we have strict regulations there are other states that don't people will drive to Virginia let's say a few hours away get their hands on anything they want and they can bring it here or anywhere else in the country so um, and the every mass shooting seems to inspire more and more of them so I'm sad to say that uh, we can expect to see another story like this um, uh, coming up. But uh, we have political gridlock, we have a bad history, we have a lot of political cowardice also, and uh, so it goes on and on and on.
2: Speaking of unhinged men with guns, uh, you have a government full of such people. Uh, It is uh, threatening uh, some with guns, it is supplying other people with guns, Uh, No matter uh, what the consequences seem likely to be, another $2 billion this week in aid uh, to the Ukraine, uh, whose far-right and even Nazi formations are increasingly prominent in the state, as Zelensky's right-hand man told us this week after he had been dismissed. Uh, the the power in Ukraine is in the hands of some of the most disturbing people on the planet. And yet the United States government is now bullying, for example, the German government to supply panzers to Ukraine to fight Russians. What could possibly go wrong,
3: Margaret? <laughs> I cannot believe that uh, no one understands why the Germans are reluctant Uh, But unfortunately, they will fold because that's what they've been doing for the past year. But I also want to say that this violence at the top, the huge military spending, the US adventurism around the world also inspires a lot of the violence here at home. You cannot Uh, be surprised that you have a violent uh, country domestically when there's so much violence internationally. But uh, uh, the US has this history, uh, lest we forget, after World War II, it was called Operation Paperclip, which brought Nazis scientists, engineers from Germany to the US, and they were the people who um, laid the foundation for the space program. So the US has always been very flexible. It could be Nazis in the 1940s. It could be jihadists. It can be Nazis again in Ukraine. Uh, They don't really care who they partner with. If it means they're going to get what they want. Um, Ukraine has this history where half the country welcomed the Nazis in the 40s, where they celebrate the birthday of uh, Stepan Bandera. It's an official holiday where people have marches. Two years ago, um, uh, uh, White Lives Matter, they had a huge banner in English, White Lives Matter. This is a Nazi... White supremacist state, but the U.S. doesn't care because it thinks that they can counter Russia, they can shrink Russia, they can get rid of Putin, they can break it up, they can do something which they which is actually a fantasy, and uh, these same people who have these crazy fantasies about Russia have are also trying to target. China simultaneously. So we have crazy people in the streets of the cities. we have crazy people in Washington who can endanger the entire world, and these tanks are useless. Uh, you know, Ukrainians, they're dragging guys off the street, literally giving them a couple weeks training and sending them to the front lines, um, who are not trained to use this equipment. So they have drained a NATO nations of their weapons. Uh, They say Russia isn't running out of anything. Russia has manufacturing capability, but uh, they have drained other NATO nations dry of weapons, uh, but they will not let go. The U.S. sees this as an existential uh, threat. They aren't content to impoverish European nations, to force them to buy liquefied natural gas. They are not content to have done any of these things, and I believe to have blown up the Nord Stream pipeline they are now trying to force germany to attack a country it attacked uh, more than 70 years ago with a disastrous uh end
2: now uh the, the what do you think is going on in washington margaret the doj uh searched joe biden's house in delaware for 13 hours yesterday uh it has been revealed that uh, he's the worst landlord in Wilmington, Delaware, charging his tenant $50,000 a month for a three-bedroom house when the going rate is $2,200. And even worse, his tenant was his own son, the notorious Hunter Biden. What do you think's going on, and why do you think we're now learning of it? Is something going on?
3: Well there are a lot of theories there's uh you know theories that there are people who don't want him to run again, and this is all part of a, a plot to uh, discredit him and keep him uh, from running again in 2024. I think it's leaked to Trump where they made this very big deal about Trump having documents that, yes, he should have turned over, but there was so much overkill that it was a national security threat that he was selling documents that he should go to jail um, rather than something that that he should have handled but didn't. I think they then were afraid or knew, that's another theory, Biden knew he had these documents and they started to look for them. But uh, they found them before election day, before the midterm elections in November, but didn't say anything until after. And because a special prosecutor was appointed in the case of Trump, there's now a special prosecutor to investigate uh, the president. So it's kind of mysterious, but it is, Um, I think everyone can agree that um, uh, Biden has been hoisted on his own petard, having made such a huge uh, case uh, over Donald Trump and now will pay the price. Uh, as he uh, begins the process of, he says he's going to run again, which I think would be a big mistake for many reasons, but he has so far said that he will, um, and it remains to be seen whether, as this story uh, unravels, whether he'll be able to do so.
2: Now, here's a hot potato for you, Margaret. Uh, We've got a poll running, reparations for slavery, yes or no. Uh, It is dividing more than 10,000 people so far, uh, mm-hmm. m- not down the middle. Uh, most people say no, uh, substantial numbers say yes, but it's a very divisive issue. People mm-hmm. say, uh, well, first of all, there's no slave left alive and there's no slaver left alive. You can't uh, punish uh, generations for the sins of their fathers and so on. Secondly, they say, I have sympathy for this view myself. Uh, my ancestors certainly didn't have any slaves or profit from slavery. In fact, we were not much more than slaves to our own ruling elite ourselves. And the Irish half of me were actually amongst the first slaves in the Caribbean. I've looked at their, I've met their, uh, their uh, um, children's children's children, called Red Legs. Uh, who were the first uh, slaves taken to the Caribbean what's your take as a black woman as a progressive black woman? what's your take on this demand?
3: Well, I think the issue of reparation should not be confined to chattel slavery. We had a, a history more than for more than a hundred years after the Civil War of uh, what was known as Jim Crow segregation, which predominated in the South, but not just in the South. I'll give you an example of something that I'm talking about. Uh, after World War II in 1945, they passed what was called the GI Bill, which was meant to help war veterans, to help them buy homes, to pay for college, and so on. So on. Black veterans were systematically cheated out of their GI Bill assistance. They did not get something that the law said they would have. Um, And so they did not get to buy the property that others got to buy, that white people got to buy. They did not get the educations they should have gotten uh, because of uh, this very racist policies, which at the time were legal. So we can ask ourselves, 70-some years later, are those people or their descendants not do some some way of being repaired for the harm, the wrong that was done, which, by the way, is part of international law. Um, there are UN charters saying that people are uh, uh, owed some way to make repair. For uh, wrongs done to uh, people as part of a group, and these are things that the U.S. has signed on to, so it's national. I'm sorry, it's international law. It's uh, these are things that I think most people would agree were wrong that had an impact, and I think we've got to go beyond uh, slavery in talking about uh, um, systemic policies that were intended to um, impact the lives of Black people and uh, prevent uh, millions of people from getting things that they were due. And I think it's time we had a serious uh, discussion about how to right that wrong and how to compensate people, some of whom are still alive, who uh, suffered from these losses and these wrongs because of official policy. Now
2: your wonderful book uh, about the presidents and, uh, and slavery, I, I now have. Everyone should have oh. it on their bookshelves. It is uh, invaluable. Uh, this, the political class, including these so-called founding fathers who are often uh, prayed in aid as if they were the holy family, uh, were actually themselves slavers. And even Lincoln, the man that freed the slaves, Uh, only uh, days after the victory in the Civil War, turned his army to go and uh, and massacre uh, the original Americans themselves. Uh, This is deep in the American political system, isn't it?
3: Oh, it is. It's foundational to this country. This is a settler colonial state where the original inhabitants were uh, slaughtered, were killed, their land was stolen, they were killed deliberately by disease. uh, Africans uh, brought to the country for as free labor. Uh, these are things that uh, impacted the political system from the very beginning with the first presidents all being either slaveholders themselves or defenders of that system. And as the decades go by, um, uh, presidents who were unwilling uh, to undo these wrongs. And uh, we see many things that are wrong in our country to this day. And uh, so, yes, thank you for mentioning my book, *Presidential Black America and the Presidents.
2: It's a terrific book. Uh, I was just looking oh, okay. at a picture earlier today of uh, the late and great uh, greatest uh, Muhammad Ali visiting mm-hmm. uh, Lenin's tomb <coughs> in Moscow uh, some 30 years ago. This is, of course, the death anniversary uh, of the Russian leader, uh, Lenin. 99 years, I think, uh, he, uh, Muhammad Ali was not allowed to micture in the same lavatory bowl as, uh, as a white man, even though he was the gold medal winning uh, Olympic champion uh, from Louisville, uh, Kentucky. Um, now, uh, you know, I'm getting on. I remember those times, not everyone does remember how late in history the United States was a Jim Crow society.
3: Yes, yes, very. I mean, it's not that long ago, and um, I have to say this about Ali: his. Birth name Cassius Clay his parents named him after a a white man who was an abolitionist which is an interesting aside but uh, no it is not long ago it's within my lifetime it's in within the lifetime of you you and millions of other people and but now we there's still a lot of inequality in general there's still racial discrimination it's unfortunately not discussed enough Uh, and we have a system, which is very unkind to people, very ungenerous. And all of those things impact those people who are already at the bottom are impacted more when you don't raise the minimum wage, when there's no national health system. Uh, All of those things uh, are more impactful to those who were already suffering. Always
2: great to see you, Margaret Kimberley. Thank you for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Uh, The poll looks like this reparations for slavery a yes 36% on twitter b no 64% on twitter on youtube and please subscribe to my youtube channel 238000 people have but i'm determined to get to a quarter of a million you know me uh on the youtube channel and please also like the show if you're watching on youtube it's uh um, I've not got the figure up there, but I've got the Telegram channel. Uh, it's yes, 48% and no, 52%, much closer on the always perspicacious Telegram. And on the uh, YouTube community poll, where 7,200 people have voted, it is yes, 36%, no, 64%. So get your vote in before the end of the show. Uh, Why don't you? Let me take a quick break for a mouthful of tea.
1: There is no trick other than hard work, creativity, care and recognising that duty is more important than love the booming voice of Robert Maxwell, an arrogant man who used his publishing empire to gain him power and influence. But in this shocking account, never told before in this way, George Galloway recalls his first encounter with Maxwell.
2: It looked like a a grizzly bear uh, advancing towards me and punches me with these giant fists like sides of ham, right in the solar plexus. So hard that I literally bent double.
1: Then, after George exposed Maxwell as a crook in Parliament, it was war.
2: Every one of his papers, the Daily Mirror, then following the Sunday Mirror, the Sunday People, the Daily Record, then a few days later, the Sunday Mail in Scotland. Even the European, which he then owned all over at Galloway.
1: Scottish Daily News journalist Ron Mackay was there.
6: Every night, presumably, when he had a drink in him, he would boom over the tannoy about the... ..the, the, 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 the cretins, the fools. The, the majority of the workforce believed that he would take it over and their jobs would be secure. But, of course, he didn't. He just disappeared.
1: And then...
6: Millionaire newspaper publisher Robert Maxwell is dead
1: what really
6: happened
1: did Robert Maxwell jump or was he pushed it could be that he went out to as he did miturate over the side
2: of the boat I'm with Glenn Maxwell in that I lean towards
1: the murder this is Maxwell the monster if you said what is my secret i will let you and your viewers know what it is i'm not attached to property consequently losing or gaining it means nothing to me
2: now that's repackaged and re-released on my uh my patreon channel uh, at midnight this evening Uh, because there's a great deal of interest in my life with Robert Maxwell, but also because the Maxwells are back in the news. The apple never falls far from the tree. And Ghislaine Maxwell, his favourite child, is currently incarcerated in an American penitentiary for her role in the Epstein affair, in which countless children were being trafficked for sexual molestation and rape. She miraculously, despite being behind bars, perhaps it's an American thing, has been interviewed for television, in which, amongst other things, she exculpates Prince Andrew in the Victoria Giuffre affair. She says the infamous picture of her and Andrew and uh, Miss Juffrey, as she then was, Uh, is a fake. For what it's worth, I also believe it's a fake. There you go. Uh, But uh, Prince Andrew uh, is unlikely, as Ghislaine Maxwell claims, never to have met her because he gave her 12 million British pounds to avoid meeting her in court. So he found somebody that he had never met and gave them 12 million pounds rather than... Prove it. Let's take some calls. Paul in Somerset on the Ukraine. Go ahead, Paul. Good evening, George. Good evening from dark, deepest darkest Somerset.
4: Uh, I'm a long-time listener and admirer, uh, first-time caller. I just wanted to um, thank you. Paul. Speak with you about the troubles I have uh, um, with the Ukraine business. Um, but first of all, I just want to say for the Oxford Union debate, I'm really uh, chuffed to hear that you're going to be debating. Some of these uh, these awful
2: politicians, and I hope you give them both barrels and and, and, uh, and well, don't take any prisoners, George. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, it'll be it'll be more uh, it'll be more uh, katusha, not both barrels, but uh, multi barrels. Uh, it's a debate at the Oxford Union between myself and Ben Wallace, the uh, Minister of Defence, Secretary of State for Defence in the UK and the head of the British Army. They had to have two against one because, well, we wouldn't want them to be outnumbered by me, Uh, but it's going to be the mother of all Oxford Union debates, I can assure you. Sorry, go ahead, my friend. It'll be fascinating.
4: And um, I mean, my uh, MP um, is the uh, Minister of the Armed Forces, uh, Mr. James Heapy, he's the MP for Wells. And uh, I, I wrote to him at great length early last year um, w- about my horror for his support um, for the war in Ukraine. And um, uh, he, he astonishes me. He, he uh, on his website, he had a, a vlog from the City of Wells Center asking um, for locals for donations to the Ukrainian military. It's frankly insulting. And my father, um, my late father, um, he, he fought the Nazis in, in the last world war. Um, he, he followed Hitler from the forces from, uh, North Africa through to, uh, Italy. And, uh, you know, he was at Dunkirk and, and frankly, um, you know, the UK's, uh, support, um, for, um, fighting, uh, Russia and, and, um, it, it, it just, it just disgusts me. Um, the, uh, you know, and the worrying thing is, with with uh, Ukraine, after it's all blown over, if it does blow over, and we're still here, um, you know, we're looking at countless years of of damage between relations and difficulties and potential geopolitical flare-ups between Russia and the West. Russia will never trust the West again. Um, you know, you only have to look at uh, the problems or, or the, the admissions from Angela Merkel and uh, Francois Hollande. Um, saying that they had no intention, no intention at all, to uh, honour the Minsk uh, II agreement.
2: And, you know... Yeah, uh, their word is worth nothing, and even their signature on uh, on agreements is worth nothing, as they have just revealed to us. They signed the Minsk Agreement, they guaranteed it. In fact, in the end, the Security Council of the United Nations also adopted the Minsk II agreements, and thus guaranteed them but as merkel and macron uh, have uh, admitted there was never any intention of implementing it even though of course if it had been implemented there would have been no war in ukraine today exactly and you know it, it astonishes me the venality the
4: venality of you know the current crop of british politicians from across the political divide the labor Party, the, the Conservatives, the Liberal Democrats, seeing footage of uh, Volodymyr Zelensky um, giving a speech in front of the Commons um, mid mid middle of last year, and everyone, almost without exception, rising to their feet and clapping like you know seals,
2: yeah. <laughs> just, seals, just seals, Paul in Somerset, it, it, a top top call to get us off to a flying start, thank you for it. There was a moment when the Minister of Defence, Secretary of State for Defence, the head of the British Army and their biggest critic all came from Dundee. I was the latter, of course, the biggest critic. But we now have a situation where two of the most effective critics of the current international situation all come from within 10 miles of each other. I'm one of them. My next guest is the other. He's a very clever Scotsman indeed. He is James Melville, an internet sensation who has risen and risen over the last few years because of the smartness of his analysis and his eloquence in making it. James, welcome back uh, to the show. Here's the big question. I don't know if you know the answer, but why did Gates, Soros and Schwab all miss the World Economic Forum in Davos this year? Is there something going on? Is there an even more devilish
6: conclave somewhere else that they were all attending? Well, thanks for the intro, first of all. I mean, there must be something about the east coast of Scotland that creates opinionated um, Viewpoints, um, and just one thing as well. I mean, I've, I've often thought this about yourself, George, and I seem to get this as well. And we haven't left the left, but large components of the left appear to have left us, and that sort of manifests so- itself with the jam- jamboree and the WEF and Davos. Actually, Swab was there, I think but the other two weren't. And I think what's happened is, I think what's happened since the COVID response onwards is people are looking at a lot of these bad actors and these sort of jamborees. It's not just at the WEF, but it's also at COP G20. And they're looking at our leaders and our billionaires, effectively the elites, even though they're their parasites. And they're looking at these individuals think, they're over there clinking their glasses. But meanwhile, we're over here, us plebs, and we're dealing with a cost-of-living crisis. And yet they're coming up with solutions and agendas, which is their kind of framework of solutions, which is not in keeping with the vast majority of the needs of people in this country, the UK, and manywhere many where else. I think what we've now got is a set of corporate politicians in alignment with technocrats and greedy corporations who are using a virtue con to try and hoover up a lot of our assets, whether it be energy, money, data and, and healthcare, and so on. And I think slowly but surely the public are seeing through this. So that is, I think, why the traction on the WF Davos this year hasn't been the same as previous years. Davos has gone from the 1970s and 80s pretty much as a kind of policy wonk shop to where we are over the last few years, where it's now a kind of grandstanding exercise for our elites to um, peddle a lot of agendas that effectively feather their own nests. So I think people are beginning to see through. Is it, as some
2: say, uh, I think Elon Musk said, an unelected world government, uh, at least embryonic uh, world government, or are we... Um getting too hot under the collar about it
6: i think i don't think it's i don't think the wf is the source of a future sort of new world order or world government i think they're a pr machine i think they're a networking club where it allows agendas to be formed and all these elites to meet up i mean if you look at some of the stuff that wf have been um sort of populating society with through their papers and their tweets over the last four or five years about sort of getting rid of meats and net zero agendas and responses to COVID and all of that stuff. And a lot of, you know, a lot of technological advances are wrapped around the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. They're putting this nudge out there of which it seems to be slightly coordinated with our political leaders and a lot of our corporates and media to use those sort of nudge tactics by the WF to then use that within legislation in their own individual countries i think the wf is like a conduit for this they don't have any legislation but i think they're nudging individuals within within certain states whether that be through media and also our politicians to try and implement those agendas that they have put in place i think the wf in terms of their influence is there i mean it was Klaus Schwab that previously said that the WF are penetrating cabinets all around the world through the Young Leaders Programme. So they do have influence, uh, but they are setting agendas that are nudging various governments in certain directions. And it does feel coordinated. This is not conspiracy theory nonsense. This is all out there. They've written these documents. They, these individuals are attending their summits and their meetings. So <laughs> this is, it's not conspiracy theory if it's actually happening. Um, but I think what the main purpose of WS is, is to nudge individuals in a particular direction rather than, you know, them themselves being sort of the, the government. and the, the, the whole aspect of the WF being the center point of this isn't really, it's not really true. That's bogus. But they are influencing and they're using their tentacles to spread their messages on a worldwide basis.
2: They're such hypocrites though, James. I mean, I saw a message uh, from somebody who was actually there who said that, you know how these receptions, they pass around the silver platter, the waiter comes round. It was all sausage and meat in a gathering that is telling people to stop eating meat. They tell you to stop flying, but they all fly in, in their private jets. They tell you to go green, drive electric, and they're pounding in in their four-wheel drives, their Escalades and so on. They're
6: such hypocrites
2: about it all.
6: Completely, but this this is happening at COP as well. I mean, It happened in Egypt, happened in Glasgow as well, where they're they're, they're serving silver platters of meat dishes but also flying in by private jet. I think there was some analysis done on the you know, the... The Davos last year and COP last year in terms of carbon footprints and in terms of private jet use, it was off the scale combined with the motorcades. So what we've got right now, George, is a bunch of highfalutin elites who are attending whether it's COP, G20, G7, WEF, and they're preaching to the rest of us how to save the planet. Now, I'm a lifelong environmentalist. But I'm a believer that we have to have solutions to save the planet that actually work. And I will actually take my advice on those solutions from individuals who are not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. So when you see royalty, politicians, um, technocrats and business leaders who are flying into these jamborees to tell us then to save the planet, despite the fact they're using private jets I'll take their advice with a pinch of salt and I think the majority of people are waking up to this they're looking at these individuals attending this time and time again not just WF but COP and so on and thinking these individuals are so out of sync with the real needs that are facing people all around the world right now we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis and we have a government and an opposition and also local authorities as well you're coming up with solutions that are authoritarian, draconian, and actually crass logic, and they're actually affecting businesses. If you look at something that's happening, for instance, around the country, whether it's in Oxford, um, Islington, but it's also ha- proposed in Scotland for 15-minute, 20-minute cities, which, based on what's happening in Oxford, business leaders are aghast about because it's cutting their trade. And if you look what's happening in Scotland now, it, it, I saw this today, whereby they're now proposing in in Edinburgh that no meat will be served on any school menu or any hospital or care home. So we're coming up with these solutions that start off with things like the WF and then bleed across our political discourse nationally, then locally. And the rest of the population are going... I've had enough of this. And I think there's been a sea change. While people were largely compliant to the rules and restrictions over COVID, I mean, I disagreed with a lot of these restrictions, but people went along with that. But I think what's happening now, particularly with some of the agendas that are coming out of the WEF around net zero, even environmentalists are looking at some of these so-called solutions on net zero and thinking, this is crass logic. It doesn't add up. And it's savagely affecting individual livelihoods, and in particular, their opportunity and the freedom for businesses to trade effectively.
2: Well, we were only allowed uh, fish on uh, Friday. Uh, uh, are we going to have to have fish every day
6: or do they count that as meat? <laughs> That's a good point. I think where we're at now is that, it, for me, if you put all these parts together, it is a giant virtue con whereby what they're doing, it's the oldest trick in the book in terms of authoritarianism, is to say we are the good guys, we come up with good measures, but actually it's a smokescreen for what they really want, and that is a gigantic asset plunder of all our freedoms and assets. And I think people are beginning to see through it. They can peddle what they want in a WF or COP, but it's laced with hypocrisy, and people are looking at these individuals and thinking, well, they're actually not... Focusing on the real issues that are happening in countries around the world. And right now, that is the cost of living crisis. So you have, for instance, in the UK, an energy crisis, both in terms of supply and also price. Yet the energy supply and price issue in the UK, the government is saying it's somehow to do with the Russians in Ukraine, which is ridiculous. That's largely caused because the storage facilities of energy, in particular gas, have been cut by this Tory government over the last few years. So much so that Britain has one of the worst storage facilities in Europe. Therefore, we have to import gas from Norway. That is one of the main reasons why our um, gas costs are so high. So we're in this sort of framework whereby people are looking at this more and more and more, thinking, well, okay, I went along with it over the COVID response, but I'm not buying this anymore because I'm losing my conveniences, I'm losing my livelihoods, and the government are failing to address the cost of living crisis. Meanwhile... The, our political, our elected representatives are spending more time grandstanding around forums in Davos. Now we all know that Davos is a sort of talking shop for the great and good and the elites, but it's re, it's resonating with people in the fact that you're getting individuals like Sunak and Starmer. Sunak hasn't been at um, WEF, but he was at COP. Starmer's at Davos. These individuals shouldn't be there. They should be working to try and resolve the problems that we face in this country. And I agree with the point that you said earlier. We have politicians, our political leaders, who are not really giving off the impression that they are concerned with the needs of people in the UK right now. And the same applies in other countries around the world. We have right now two cheeks of the same backside in the UK. We have a government that's more concerned about leadership contests and soirees around the world. And we have an opposition that's effectively saying the same thing.
2: Yeah, except where it's worse what they're saying. But uh, we we were represented by great and good men, by the ultimately virtuous uh, signalers, Tony Blair and Lord Peter Mandelson. They were both at Davos, and I saw umpteen pictures of them both sitting down with some of the most powerful uh, leaders in the world. Um, so it... If you want to take your virtue signalling from Tony Blair or Peter Mandelson, I'm afraid there's no hope for us. What did you think when you saw them there?
6: Well, in fact, it sums it all up. I mean, Blair, he was on that panel fundamentally talking about... And that was the, the main theme. Actually, taking a step back, the main theme of the WF was about all the problems in the world. And it seemed to be that their solution for every single one was digital ID, digitalization of everything. And that's what Blair was talking about. And Blair's got form on this. He was proposing um, ID cards back in the day when he was prime minister and it didn't happen. He's still doing this. And he was framing it around vaccination and the need for digital ID. That is what Blair is about. It's about a move towards digital ID, and of, of, of which many others in the WF were doing the same thing. Now there's aspects of, of digitalization that are good, They benefits society. But I have a problem with aspects of digital ID, in particular if you're going to basically do a one size fits all approach to um, healthcare policy based on digital ID and also central bank digital currencies which I think a lot of these agendas are moving towards because we know that the fiat monetary system is a busted flush. It has been for, well, at least since 2008, 2009, financial crisis. And I think a lot of it, in terms of what's happened over the last two or three years, has been this mission creep towards central bank digital currencies. There's pilot schemes. There is um, consultation documents happening in numerous countries around the world, executive orders even in the States. And I think that ultimately is their, their agenda here. And that concerns me because once we lose our financial freedom to the state, who knows where that ends up? You know, I'm not saying we'll end up with social credit systems, but it ends up with a risk. Because if state controls our financial transactions, then we have lost more autonomy than we've possibly lost in the last two or three years. And going back to Tony Blair, he's like one of the poster boys of this form of globalism. Now, I used to be a fan of globalism based on a historical context about the ties that need to be bound around trade and defense after the Second World War for perpetually warring um, Western Europe. But somehow it's become completely out of sync. We've got individuals who are utilizing forms of globalism in the wrong way. I'm a massive internationalist. I like learning from different cultures all around the world. I love traveling, I like experiencing different approaches to society. But what's happening now is you're getting the mix of these politicians, these corporations and technocrats under the auspice of corporatism, b- by trying to mould wor- the world into the same shape, largely driven by digital ID. And I think that is a huge concern going forward.
2: James, finally, uh, I know I didn't ask you on to ask you this, but I can't let you go. Another of our compatriots, j.k rowling has been comprehensively trashed she has been uh ghosted she has been written out of her own uh films and uh books she is attacked as every ist and phobe that you can imagine and people are regularly threatening her with uh, with death and uh, and mutilation, it is an extraordinary state that our little country has become obsessed with sexual and gender politics so that JK Rowling can't, couldn't walk down Princess Street uh, which she used to do and is even more than you and I, our most successful export.
6: I think it's terrible, George. I don't know what's ha- I mean, it's something I could write a book about what's happened to Scotland. Now, me and you will always disagree on independence, but um, I have a massive problem with what's happening in Scotland, largely driven by the Scottish government. I think they're moving Scotland into a very dangerous territory on a number of fronts. There was a hate speech um, act um, combined with you know, gen- the, the Gender Identity Act, and then there's, there's aspects in terms of online security acts as well. They're moving Scotland in a direction whereby that is not what I remember or think Scotland should be. One of the great things I, I feel proud about being a Scot, and I'm sure you'll say, share the same sentiments, is that Scotland, are, the Scottish people are largely independent critical thinkers. And I think this current Scottish government are trying to remove that from the Scottish people. J.K. Rowling, fundamentally, what she's trying to do is protect women's rights, and I say this as a you know, as a massive supporter of feminism. I think from Emil Pankhurst onwards, there's been huge developments in um, women's rights, and rightly so. And I think what is happening in Scotland right now—I mean, I'm reading reports, for instance, whereby kids at the age of seven are having to tick a box on their own gender identification. That is, that's wrong. That doesn't make me some sort of far right grifter or bigot from saying that. I think the majority, the silent majority of people in Scotland are appalled by what's happening here and are appalled by what's happening to JK Rowling. But I, I doff my cap to her in the simple fact that she's keeping on going and she's doing it fundamentally because she's trying to protect women's rights. Yeah, she's been tweeting
2: all day. She's uh, definitely uh, not running away. James Melville, you'll never run away either. Thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Always a pleasure. Someone's just sent me the Washington Post editorial of today at 3.45 p.m. This is the Post's view. And I'm quoting you the headline. Germany is refusing to send tanks to Ukraine, full stop. Biden cannot let this stand, full stop. Did nobody in that great intellectual organ stop to think for a second before they wrote that headline that Germany can decide whatever it likes? to do with its tanks. What megamaniacal audacity, arrogance, does this represent that the president of the United States has the right to order another country to send tanks to Ukraine? This megalomaniac mentality, of American exceptionalism is at the heart of all of our problems in the world. You know, you could say Germany's refusing to send tanks, it's deplorable, we deprecate it, we might even uh, pay them back for it. But who gave America the right to decide what Germany must do? I mean, if I was a German, I would find that headline just about as offensive to any idea of German nationhood, statehood, independence, sovereignty, as it is possible to imagine. But clearly, nobody in the Washington Post even gave that a moment's thought. You think about it. Thank you so much for the Super Chats uh, tonight. Every cent counts. Irshad Ali uh, gives pound ninety-nine. Thanks, Irshad, regular supporter. Uh, Jaskunar Singh gives £5, but asks this question. Why is Russia holding back so much in the Ukraine war? Is it due to incompetence or corruption in the military? Have the funds been siphoned off? I think... The best answer I can give to that is to paraphrase the late Ronald Reagan. You ain't seen
0: nothing yet. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Make the same no brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com Code Program.
2: It's Vincent in High Wycombe on the reparations debate, which always gets the phone lines buzzing. Go ahead, Vincent. I would say the reparations debate
4: is a bit silly because um, you had slavery all around the world. You had slavery in Africa, you had slavery in Asia, you had slavery in every continent uh, around the world. It was um, the rule, not the exception, that slavery was um, those days.
2: Well, that's true, uh, Vincent, but uh, we're only responsible for our part of the world. Clearly, we cannot take responsibility for uh, slavery in China, which existed before the victory of Mao Zedong and the Communist Party of China. Clearly, we cannot be held responsible for that. But we do have some responsibility, don't we, for Uh, the uh, actions of our own state and our own state became the biggest slave trader in all the history of mankind. And many of our cities, uh, great cities, wealth was built on slaving, like Bristol, like Liverpool, like Glasgow, became wealthy, mighty cities because they were Slave trading centers. Do you not think our country has some responsibility in that regard? Well, th- th- there was um, there was different
4: slavery um, across the world, and they benefited.
2: Well, but why would that? Why is that an answer to the question I just asked you? Sorry, <laughs> Vincent. I know you weren't expecting that question, but I mean the fact that somebody else done it. Uh, in previous centuries is not a reason for us not taking responsibility for what we've done much more recently, is it? I can't think about that. I'll poem. let you think about it, um, Vincent. I'll let you think about it. David is in Swindon on Taiwan. Go ahead, David.
7: I just want to come in on that tank thing. While I was waiting, I heard you talk about the uh, the Americans saying about tanks. Well, what about them sending their yes, Abraham's the tanks? Washington Post, I don't hear yeah. about
2: that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Germany should not stand for it. No, absolutely, absolutely not. Yeah, it's a, and they complain about like
7: um, Iran supplying about three hundred drones. They try and control the world on who yeah. supplies who. It's all right. Ah, yeah. oh, it just just my head in. Can and I tell so you, David, why Abr- they
2: won't send their Abraham? Can I tell you why they won't send their Abraham tanks? Because the technology. If they go in, Abraham's
7: tank goes in and gets captured the technology that Russia would get
2: would be immense. Exactly. That's one reason. A second reason is that Russia would pay particular attention to destroying every Abraham's tank that arrived in the country um, before it had done any damage to anybody else. And thirdly, because it would effectively be a declaration of war between the United States and Russia
7: the Abraham's or the Leclerc, or, or the Challenger, the Russians will know where they're coming in, by, and they'll, they'll transport them by rail, and they'll know where they're coming in, and they will stop them, and quite rightly so. Yeah,
2: I agree. Anyway, on to Taiwan. Go on, Dave. So, can you just, because this is the University
7: of the Airways, I just wanted to clarify for me, because I'm quite a simple soul. After the end of the World War Two, Taiwan was given... To China as part of the uh, sort of reparations it, it used to belong well, to Japan it was always a
2: part of it was a part of China for many centuries yeah, before yeah, yeah. that but you're right yeah. Japan seized it occupied it as part of its uh, rampage of murder yeah. and rape across all of asia uh, when it yeah. was liberated from japan the United yeah. Nations, all the countries yeah. of the United Nations, <laughs> agreed that Taiwan would, of course, be part of China. It's only know, like, in later years that they sought to rewrite that history.
7: So yeah, but because so, if you look at Taiwan, is not a nation. It's not one of the 192 nations because it no. belongs to China. So they can fly over the jets if they want. Nobody recognises. They can send that. Nancy Pelosi yeah. there.
2: Of course. Now, whatever happened to the story about Nancy Pelosi's husband getting (laughs) hammered? I'd like to know the real story behind that. David, thanks uh, for the call. Now, on the 7th of February, I'm in Sunderland in the northeast of England. It's very important. uh, If you are anywhere nearby, please get your tickets now because there won't be any left for very much longer. So if you are intending, there's the way you get the tickets. Tuesday, the 7th of February in wonderful Sunderland. I'll be conducting the Moats Roadshow there. Gayatri will be filming with the audience, doing interviews. It'll be a laugh. It'll be a cry. It'll be an inspiration. It'll be a lament. It'll be all kinds of things. But the one thing it will not be is boring. So get your tickets. In Sunderland. If you're in the uh, northeast of England, if you're in the southeast of Scotland, if you have a car within a hundred miles, never mind what they said at Cop. Never mind what they said at Davos. Get into your Escalade and head for Sunderland. All roads lead to Sunderland for the seventh of February. The twenty-fifth February, by the way. No to NATO. No to war is off and running I was going to say it's booming but that might not be the most appropriate uh, phrase but some of the speakers that we've got we've got two former British ambassadors two members of the European Parliament two of American left-wing royalty two former British members of Parliament myself and Chris Williamson We've got trade union leaders by the dozen. There it is there. Uh, Do book your seat because you may recall uh, someone prevailed on the uh, people who took our money for a church in Houston to cancel us. And by the way, they still have not refunded the money. And that's going to look very bad for them in the legal action, which is now underway to get proper compensation, but we've got actually an even better venue. Sorry to disappoint the NAFO fellas, but I'll not be telling you right now exactly which destination we're going to, but in central London on the 25th of February will be an historic and bustling, full, jam-packed, capacity crowd for no to NATO, no to war. Get your tickets for that. Now, Brian is in Canada on the Cuban Missile Crisis. Let's go to Canada. Go ahead, Brian.
5: Hi, George. If you just give me about a minute and a half, I'd just like to state my point, which is I think you'll enjoy or appreciate. The Cuban Missile Crisis occurred... Not long after I turned 18, during the Cold War, the ide- ideological lines were starkly drawn. Both sides were well aware that there had to be a way around mutually assured destruction. With a back-channel quid pro quo, missiles were removed from Cuba and Turkey. The current bellicosity is driven by pure power politics by Western oligarchs and their political minions, with far too many Curtis LeMays afoot in the arena and too few Kennedys. In 1962, LeMay was a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff on the U.S. side whose life and actions in his war room were the basis for the character Brigadier General Jack D. Ripper in Dr. Strangelove. The current crop is incapable of drawing upon historical lessons and the prevailing science on the catastrophic nature of nuclear war and are thereby imbued with such hubris that they think their side can prevail. Kurt Vonnegut once said, We were too damn cheap to save the planet. Far worse and scarier thought is that the people currently in charge are too damn stupid, or morons, as your previous caller described them. Take care.
2: Brian in Canada, I can't uh, answer your point uh, more eloquently than you made it, so I won't try. But I will add this it is time for everybody. To watch or re-watch Doctor Strangelove. Because that is exactly the times that we are living in now and may have the same ending. Yee hi! Now more YouTube comments. Baron Saturday says this country has wronged so many different people over the years, this will become very complicated. True, Baron. Question everything says, not to mention. The promise of 40 acres and a mule that were promised to freed slaves with the Emancipation Proclamation, not kept, of course, indeed not. Ray Hall says Britain was still paying compensation to slave owners until a few years ago. That's true. Until a few years ago, we were still paying compensation to the slave owners for having taken away their slaves. David Cameron's family benefited. They did indeed. All of the slave owner's descendants sit in the House of Lords and one or two more like Baron Peter Mandelson. Somebody asked me why Tony Blair, uh, although a knight of the realm, hasn't taken a seat in the House of Lords. Can I tell you why? Because if he did, he would have to post-register at least an approximation of the obscene sums of money that he currently earns and the even more obscene nature of the people that are paying it to him. Alan Machen says Zelensky was trying to start World War III by asking for a no-fly zone and our stupid politicians gave him a standing ovation. Indeed, Trevor is in Cambridgeshire and wants to talk about Greta Thunberg. Go ahead, Trevor, what would you like to say?
8: Ah, great. Well, first of all, the, first, the most important point is I will never commit suicide. Now, um, I'll explain why why I say that in my second point, if you'll allow me. But my first point is it was a beautiful thing today to watch Greta Thunberg, the uh, child actor no more, uh, being questioned by a group of uh, great real journalists about the hypocrisy of her travel and how she got to this particular uh, Davos crowd meeting by her um, by her jet fueled airplane and, and, and wearing her nylon coat, etc. It's a great thing. Now she's over the age of eighteen, she could be questioned, and um, in one way she could have been she could have been forgiven before. For uh, for being a child and being used by these people, but now she's twenty years old. She really should know better about this. So uh, it's a great thing to see these people being questioned, being uh, brought to account, and um, uh, basically having to try. Did you see not, the total uh, uh,
2: fabrication uh, uh, of her arrest? Did you see that, Trev? Thank you, Sorry, a, I mean, you called her a child. You called her a child actor, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, she'll probably end yeah. up like Macaulay Culkin, uh, I fear. But did you see the carefully choreographed show business of her so-called arrest the other day at the German protest against the coal mine that the Green Germans are now opening up? It was literally. Agreed between the police and her and the cameras of how they were going to pretend to arrest her and how she was going to pretend to be being arrested
8: yes George I saw that and and this is what's wonderful about this uh, this new generation of actual true and real journalists that really want to get to the bottom and i'm I, uh, but when this whole COVID nonsense started, I, I, I just I was completely and utterly disheartened with with everything. But now I'm reheartened by the fact that there's people. I mean, you, yourself being a uh, a major figure, and and Gerald Salente, by the way, I, I spoke to you before about Gerald Solente. You know, all, all of these names that are now that, that are sticking their chin out in order to bring to attention to the uh, asleep 99%, and and, and, I f- and I feel grateful that it's less than 99%, maybe, that people are now getting to understand that our governments are no more than corporate-positioned, uh, pre-positioned... Corporate crooks, uh,
2: let's call them uh, what they are. They're corporate crooks and warmongers, and the opposition are just as bad, if not worse, than the government. That's our problem, Trevor. Brilliant call. Thanks very much uh, for it. Back to the Super Chats. Galloway Radar gives £8.99 and says, vis-a-vis the poll, I don't buy all this handout nonsense. Get off your arse and get a job. And that goes for all colours and races. It's shocking that people still live so far in the past. And William Cole gives 200 Swedish crowns, which is, I'm reliably informed, £15. Thank you, William ben stevenson gives two pounds monkey man gives five canadian dollars rc robertson gives 20 us dollars and sakib salihin gives one pound 20. jv in manila gives 500 philippine pesos seems the us and the west are hell-bent on world war iii happening your take on this gg i'm homesick now and it's nearly 4 a.m here but I'm listening to moats still. Keep up the good work. And a great, great welcome to you, JV, in Manila and all our friends in the Philippines, to which I was once in the 80s, a regular traveller, uh, working with the 1st of May Union, KMIU, uh, KMU. They were, uh, I used to work with the uh, sugar workers on the island of Negros and very proud to have done so. Eugene Clark gives five U.S. dollars. Thank you, Eugene. Jiggermast gives five pounds. George, I've heard Zelensky's airing a Ukraine, <laughs> but rather than the College of Knowledge, it'll be the Station of Disinformation. That is the tweet of the night. Thank you, Jiggermast. Galloway Radar gives another one pound seventy-nine and says Tony Blair destroyed the Labour Party. Well done. And Ari Magoo gives one ninety nine. Thanks, Ari. Lee Morrison four pound forty nine. Regis gives ten euros. Let's go, champ. Thank you for that. Tony's in Liverpool. Always worth hearing on the subject of Ukraine, no less. Go ahead, Tony. To
9: me, what I'm looking at, George, I'm essentially now seeing the situation escalating beyond um, Russia demilitarizing Ukraine. I think Russia is now in the process of demilitarizing NATO. Um, and NATO are literally panicking now. It, it, it is a case of panic stations now. Um, they clearly don't have the industrial uh, base to manufacture huge amounts of weaponry and ammunition, which Russia does. Uh, they clearly don't have that uh, capability, and certainly not in Germany. Not anymore. They've de-industrialized they their own uh, manufacturing base. Um we're seeing NATO actually just feeding the Russian meat grinder equipment and manpower. And now we're seeing Ukrainians um, rounding up elderly men and young teenagers. When we say young teenagers, we're talking 14, 15 years of age. And then 14, the yeah. other, Did you see the, the fellow
2: with, with no hands that they drafted? You know, yeah. they drafted? They drafted a yeah. guy with two it's stumps. True. George, I'm sure you've, you... No you, hands. As, they're, drafting men, they're drafting men my age and sending them straight to the front.
9: They're actually taking them off the streets. There's videos out there now on Telegram channels. Everyone's can see Yeah, them. yeah, I'm they're sure chasing them. You, Yeah, I mean, they are literally press-ganging elderly men and young teenagers to go to the front. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunately, it's, just, it's suicide. It's absolute suicide. And if NATO thinks you know, this is going to be over and everybody's just going to get round the table again. After what's happened with the Minsk Accords, there's no chance of that. No chance. Poroshenko, um, Francois Hollande and Angela Merkel, they've all let the cat out of the bag. There's no incentive whatsoever for Russia to sit round the table with, with these charlatans ever again. It, it, you know, for, for any sort of negotiation whatsoever, none, Russia's moved these.
2: Tony, all, all is changed. All is changed. Changed utterly. Thanks for that. Final Super Chats tonight. Thanks again. So kind of you. Uh, John Ratliff gives 20 US dollars. John Nock, five British pounds. Jai Alexander, five British pounds. Reparations should be paid, says Jai. Paid for by the people that still hold the power, wealth, and live in the stately homes bought by it. Roar Axdal gives 22 Norwegian crowns. Jam... Gives 99 Philippine pesos. That's the second from the Philippines. Thank you. Yasser Arafat would be proud of you. GG, keep it up. I hope so, Jam. I certainly kept my promise to him. O gives one pound 79. You're a good man and powerful speaker, Mr. G. Thank you, O. A. Antis gives five pounds. Natural gas is 65% down from august 22 it's the lowest since may 2021 but it's just not being passed to the consumers why is nobody in britain raising that point my good friend goose creek in the netherlands gives 55 euros god bless you goose very very handsome donation ayashaya khatiwada gives 20 danish crowns can't imagine how I get the correct news if there's no moats. Thank you. Ray Martin gives 10 Canadian dollars. Dilip Manglani gives 5 euros 99. Uh, Chuck Sazlak gives 5 US dollars. George Jubran gives 19 US dollars and 99 cents. And Andrew Goreff gives 5 US dollars and makes the point that international law-based order lets sue and arrest the Minsk signatories. Very good point. I think this will probably be the last call, but we've saved the best for last. It's our man in New York on the subject of reparations, our friend Erobos in New York City. Go ahead, Erobos.
10: As you know, it is important for me to highlight not just you, but your friends, families, and supporters and much success with the upcoming no to NATO, no to war. Yes, uh, on the issue of reparations, there's just a very quick preface here. Uh, in, in 1987, Ronald Reagan destroyed the fairness doctrine, which allowed people to uh, you know, debate opposing points. You know, I was um, 16 back then, and I remember watching the TV, and it always had these contentious crossfire-type debates, and the reason why he destroyed that was to make sure, you know, like a, a lot of the callers that, that called in were not informed, right, They're not informed and actually quite hostile to, like, an issue on reparations, and to seal the deal 11 years later in 1996, Bill Clinton, you know, also of the Unitary Party, just, you know, re, uh, obliterated public sector control of the media with the 1996 uh, Telecommunications Act. And this paved the way for what we have now, which is basically media controlled by six companies, which is Comcast, Disney, Time Warner, 20th Century Fox, and CBS Viacom. The last two want to merge, and if that isn't stopped, we basically have four media companies controlling all information that we see coming from the uh, commercial sphere. Now, the reason why that's important is, you know, when, when people say things like, uh, well, that was a long time ago, you know, let them get a job and all of this. First of all, no one said that to the Jews when they were being massacred and destroyed and, you know, six million or whatever the number is, you know, and the, the gypsies and all the other enemies of the Nazi regime. Nobody's saying that to the Jews. Also, the U.S. You know, and this is from history, history, uh, history.com. The thorny history of reparations. Uh, Native Americans receive reparations. Native Hawaiians from the Kingdom of Hawaii, really uh, got reparations. Uh, let's see, Tuskegee experiment reparations. Um, People of Japanese descent receive reparations, and you know, of course, it went nowhere in the sums of what, what it needs to be, but the point is, this is already a U.S. precedent, but the fact that people rely mostly, and otherwise educated and intelligent people, lean so heavily on being brainwashed by the media, this is why they don't notice, right? So reparations has nothing to do with taking anything from anyone. Right. It's not about people talking about, you know, i got to pay more taxes. Because a little-known fact, in 2011, Barack Obama authorized $29 trillion, with a T, to zombie bankers, hedge fund ahinas, wild dogs of derivatives, vulture capitalists, and other finance capital parasites and predators. They received $29 trillion, while the people who were uh, put out of their homes, about 8 million people, 5.1 families, he let them go into the street, right? He let them make their own way. And this is important because by the time he left in uh, January 20th, uh, 2017, to make way for Trump, it was in excess of $30 trillion. So the money is there. There's no person alive or dead that can argue with me about that point. If they found $29 trillion to get the zombie bankers that destroyed the world economy in 2008— and blame poor people with some mortgage issues. You know, they, they can find the money, and it's about you know, just like Miss um, Prescott said, it's about re- re- repairing and and making wrongs that are, that are right. You know, making and we see with the examples of reparations. This is already a, a historic precedent. And the re- and the, I'll just finish with this. The last re- the last point that I believe my theory is. That, you know, like the, the six media companies and, and these wealthy people, the Davos crowd, don't want to, don't want to make sure that African Americans and people who have been harmed by a 500-year 500 legacy, 500 year legacy of, of neoliberal capitalism and slavery is because they don't want us as a class to rise because it also is not just deeply racist denying us the money, it will also lift us out of poverty as a people. Right, and put an end to you know our perpetual generational poverty in class, and bring up the wealth in the world. And they don't want that. They don't want anybody on their level. They don't want me going to Davos. That's for sure. You know. So that's just my perspective. And it's important to uh, to explain that well, to people that they're not educated and they're
2: ignorant on purpose. Well, nobody could put that more powerfully than you just did, and I am very glad that you were the last caller on the show this evening. Alas, that's all we've got time for, but the good news is that I'll be back on Wednesday at a uh, slightly later hour than this, 9pm uh, UK time, uh, with the midweek mother of all talk shows, in which we will provide the platform that, as uh, robust just pointed out, is virtually not available anywhere in what they call the Western world, in what they used to call, laughably, the free world. It was even freer at the time of the Iraq war, I was just thinking today. I was never off the television and radio uh, in the run-up to the Iraq war. Because the media, though it was extremely hostile to me and to the anti-war position, recognized that it was a position. It was a position supported by a significant number of people in the society, and therefore they had some obligation to at least platform me, even if to be pilloried even if to be insulted and traduced as mad or bad or both, they felt that they had to give my side of the story in the run-up to the Iraq war airtime, platform time. It was just their problem that I was too good at it. It meant that the more insults they threw, the more slander they spun, I came through it. And our argument came through it. And by February 15th, 2003, we had millions on the streets of Britain in a time when we had no social media, no moats, no digital phones, no Twitter or Facebook or Insta or any of these platforms. Incidentally, Rumble is now our best platform. Check it out if you don't believe me. But my point is this. That 20 years ago, for that is now what it is, 20 years ago, we had a media that was more free than the media we have today. Now, you would never find me on mainstream television or anybody like me on mainstream television or radio for that matter in order to make the case I've been making this evening and many of you have been making this evening about the war in ukraine about reparations about other matters you would never get it they have closed mainstream media to people like you and me and therefore as i've been saying for some years now we have to make our own media and we can moats proves that we can enough of that homily i'm hungry i haven't had any dinner I'll see you, God willing, on Wednesday at 9pm for the Midweek Mother of All Talk Shows. Please come along. Please bring someone else with you. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel and tick that you enjoyed this Mother of All Talk Shows. Have a good night.